and worship our king, our high priest, who has, who has paved the way for us, who has gone before us to pay the price that we could not pay ourselves. Um, uh, just a heads up, later on in the, in the service, we're going to be spending some time praying together as, as a church. We call this our, our five and five, where we'll share some prayer requests and, and, um, and, and praises. So kind of be thinking right now, what's, what's something I could, you could share? Uh, either a, a prayer request or a praise, something that God has been doing in your life, and we'll, we'll hear those later, later in the service after the, after the sermon. But uh, right now, if you've been, if you've been uh, with us the last few weeks, you know that, uh, that Justin, our, our lead pastor, he's, he's on sabbatical for the, for the summer. He's, uh, he and his family are taking a time of intentional rest and renewal and refocus, and so we're excited about what God is doing in, in their life uh, this summer. Uh, but uh, on Sunday mornings, as uh, in our church family gatherings, we, we're going to have some new faces up, up, up on stage and, and leading us uh, through the word, so we're, we're excited about that. And this morning, we have uh, Bruce Barlow. Uh, come on up, Bruce. Um, he and his wife, Christy, are up from, from Indiana, Winona Lake, Indiana, and they'll be with us for the next three weeks and got to spend some time with Bruce and Christy uh, last, last evening, my, my family did, uh, and it was, so, it was so encouraging to be with them immediately. Uh, uh, as we, as we met with them, you could taste, you could experience their passion for the grace of God, their passion for the word of God, and their, and their passion for people. It, it exudes from you. So, uh, man, and, and in first service, I was so, so blessed by your words, Bruce. So Good. excited about, what, uh, what, uh, about our time in God's word uh, together this morning. I'm going to need to fix your PowerPoint real quick. Reset okay. that. That's my, that's my bad. Oh, uh, but, uh, and then, we'll, and then we'll, we'll jump in. But let me, let me pray for us, and we'll jump into God's word together. Father, you are good and you're gracious. Uh, so, Lord, would you, we come to know through, through time and your word that this morning, would we come to know something of your goodness and your graciousness toward us so that that goodness and that graciousness might be extended through us uh, to, those, to those around us. We just thank you for Bruce for the, 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 um, uh, the way that you've uh, worked in him and, uh, and for what you've prepared in his heart uh, to, to share with us this morning. We pray that it would be glorifying to you and that your spirit would be be at work in us and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, it's great to be here. Uh, we've wanted to come to Alaska forever. It was on our bucket list. In fact, we've done some bucket list things this year and my wife said, we're scratching off a lot of bucket list things. Does that mean something's going to happen to you? <laughs> um, my wife was on... Um, I came to know Christ as my savior right before my senior year of high school. And I met this really cute girl in the youth group. Uh, and a couple of months later, we started dating. And then our family of churches started this experiment. They used to call it uh, Operation Barnabas. Now it's Momentum Travel Teams. And they recruited this cute girl to be on that team. And they recruited a guy from Simi Valley, California to be on that team. His name was Scott Franchino, and they were on the same team together. Uh, so my girlfriend traveled the whole summer with this group of 14 students. It was the experiment to see, could that be a blessing to churches? Uh, we go back that far with Franchinos. And year after year at youth conference, I would go up to, usually up to Carmen and say, um, I thought you were going to invite us up to speak at the district youth rally, you know, when uh, all the churches and their students get together. Uh, I never got the invitation. She said, oh, it must have been lost in the mail. Um, we've been friends, and we love getting to renew the friendship. What uh, Russ didn't say was they fed us flounder last night. 
um, caught somewhere out here uh, in the inlet. And my claim to fame for Hawaii, what's this called out here? Uh-huh. Named after my ancestor. Really. Uh, Captain Cook was one of my, my mom was a cook. So it goes way back. So I love seeing the name around. That's worth to you about what it just cost you. Uh, nothing. We love getting to see the beauty here. And we brought the sunshine with us from Indiana, where it is flat as a pancake. Uh, so this is just beautiful here. Okay, we're going to talk the next three weeks, today and two more Sundays. The thread through the whole thing, uh, you'll, you'll figure out in a minute as we talk about it. Um, Cy Weisenthal, a Jewish prisoner in an extermination camp during World War II. He had one of the lucky jobs. He's working in the infirmary with the sick prisoners and sick Germans. Uh, the nurse goes and grabs him and brings him to the bedside of an SS trooper who is dying. And that SS trooper grabs Cy's hand and says, please forgive me. He needed forgiveness because he was dying and didn't want to die with, on his conscience, what he had lying there and what he had carried. He needed forgiveness because what he had done was taken several hundred Jews, put them in a house, locked them in. There were gas cans inside. He tossed a grenade in and then shot anybody that jumped out the windows. Imagine carrying that on your conscience. And so he, he's got Cy's hand. Please forgive me, Cy thinks. Cy knows what this guy did. He's heard the stories. It's horrendous. Forgive him for that? Cy thinks. Forgive or not forgive? Cy stands up, walks out of the room, Never says another word to him. The, the trooper dies. But Sai was haunted. He survived the extermination camp. He was haunted the rest of his life with, should I have given, offered forgiveness to him or not? And it, it bothered him. Jesus told, um, we've got it in John chapter 8, the story of an incident where uh, he's teaching in the courtyard of the temple in Jerusalem. And as he's teaching, uh, there's a bunch of Pharisees listening in, and they were the law keepers. And so they bring in, they've caught a woman in the midst of adultery. And they bring her to the spot where Jesus is teaching and say, um, Rabbi, uh, the law says we should stone her to death. What do you say? So you picture in your head uh, the shame, the embarrassment, the guilt, the what that was like for that woman brought in front of those men. And a picture, each of them having a stone in his hand. They're ready. Here's what the law says. What do you say? What would you do? Jesus' answer is a lesson on forgiveness. He says to them, the one of you that is without sin, that should be the first one to throw a stone. 
And one by one, they take their rocks and drop them and leave. If you had been Sai, what would you have done? If you were there, part of the crowd listening to Jesus' teaching, what would you have thought? What would you have learned about forgiveness that day? We're going to focus on forgiveness the next few weeks because I believe it's, uh, for followers of Jesus, it's one of the most important things in terms of relationship vertically with God and relationships horizontally within a family, an extended family, with friends, co-workers, in a marriage. Forgiveness. Most of us, one time or another in our lives, live with a rock on our hands. Or we, uh, we're ready to, uh, yep, here's what they deserve. Or we're uh, not letting that show, but we've got the rock in our pocket. We're ready. Because we've been sinned against. We've been hurt. We've been harmed. We've felt the consequences of a broken relationship. And in our judgment, it's their fault. It's what they did that I'm having to live with. This is an interesting day, Father's Day. Um, I think about my grandpa, I think about my father-in-law, and I think about my dad. My parents split up when I was a freshman in high school. No, no one in our family were Christians. Um, they divorced when I was a sophomore in high school. I was a lonely, lonely introvert. And when they split up, um, I thought, oh, uh, it's fine. Life is easier now. Dad's out of the picture. On Father's Day, I always reflect on my grandpa, a moral guy. He loved me, invested in me, did not know Jesus. And that breaks my heart. My father-in-law knew Jesus Loved me, invested in me, amazing man. I give thanks for all the memories I've got with him on Father's Day. My dad, it was a dysfunctional relationship. And uh, Father's Day is a day where I reflect back on the memories. Try not to stay there very long. Because, and maybe you're in the same situation, there are things, he taught me work ethic. It's good, he valued family until it, it all fell apart and he didn't know what to do. But as I got older, got married, how am I supposed to be a husband? Then we had uh, our daughter, Hillary. Being a dad, how do you do that? And, and I found it harder and harder to deal with the scars on my soul that were left because of what dad was like. And I could tell myself, well, I didn't know Jesus. What do you expect? Still didn't fix what it felt like and the damage that was done. Most of us live with a rock in our hand or it's at least in our pocket because of what's happened and what's been done. One person said, um, there's a lot to be said for not forgiving people. They come into our lives, they mess around, they hurt us, they cut us, they do something and then it makes perfect sense to not forgive because to turn around and forgive after the damage they've done, 
that seems like an offense to what's right. That isn't what they deserve. So we're going to, over these weeks, look at some of Jesus' words and what the New Testament tells us about the topic of forgiveness. Um, The last five marriages that I've worked with in our church that have blown up, every one of them, there was a season, a chapter in that marriage where if there was sin, one or both had sinned against the other, there were problems. But there had been a chapter where if there had been forgiveness, they could have taken steps to work at rebuilding and saving the marriage and the family. But they chose instead to hang on to the rock. And in a few of the cases, to hurl it. Did the other person deserve it? Yep. They were in the wrong. But where did that take them? See, forgiveness matters so much because... Uh, unforgiveness isn't going to get us where we want to be in relationships, in trust, in spiritual freedom to love God and love others. So let's look at what Jesus said. Turn to Matthew 6. We're going to start this morning with uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Good spot, familiar. Most of you can recite the Lord's Prayer, which is in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. So... um, We're going to read together verses 9 through 13. Uh, So once you get there, we're going to all read it aloud. Now, it's going to sound a little weird because we've probably got a few different Bible versions. There's a few words that are different. We're going to use the word debt and debtors just because it's what is in my, uh, my Bible here. So let's read together 9 through 13. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people, When they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Uh, You probably know another ending to the Lord's Prayer, the one out of Luke, that after deliver us from the evil one, and yours is the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. I like that one a lot better than verses 14 and 15. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Jesus is uh, telling him, this is how you pray. Three things to pray for yourself. Uh, Pray for yourself that you'll have your daily bread, what you need to eat, live, and survive. Pray for the forgiveness of sins, our debts, as we have forgiven others. And the third one is, and lead us not into temptation. See, when sinned against, you and I have a choice. We're going to take that rock and throw it 
let it go, or we've got the choice to drop it, let it go. Every time we're sinned against. So, uh, first point, uh, I want you as we're thinking today to think through a relationship that is strained or broken, friend, work associate, spouse, parent-child relationship, one where there's been damage because of sin. Forgiveness is the only thing that's going to restore your joy and your ability to love and serve God freely and love and serve others, including that person, freely. So I believe the Holy Spirit's going to work in each of our hearts today, thinking through a relationship where, yep, something needs to change. The thing that needs to change is forgiveness. Uh, first one, uh, forgiveness is a family feature. So when he says in verse 12, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Forgive, the word means to put away, to send away. We've, uh, there are times where the same word is used uh, as pardon or canceling a debt. So we'll talk about uh, forgiving a debt to someone. But the idea is you send it away. What's the debt? It's an interpersonal debt. And Luke, uh, the, the Lord's Prayer, uses the word sins. Debts equals sins. Sins equals debts. Jesus is talking about you pray about sin being forgiven. And the debtors are the people who have sinned against us. Because we are in a broken world and we are all broken, even as followers of Jesus, our sins have been forgiven. But I still turn and snap at my wife. I still think, why don't they listen to me? I know what's right. Pride. Arrogance. Wait, I'm in Jesus. I've been forgiven. I belong to him. I shouldn't have to deal with that anymore, right? No, put two broken, even forgiven sinners together, and there is going to be damage done. So what do we do about it? Within the family of God, for those who are followers of Jesus, what we do is we offer forgiveness. Matthew 6 was the first time that Jesus talked about forgiveness, but there are a couple of other significant times. Uh, We're going to look in two weeks at Matthew 18. Parable of the unmerciful servant. This is Jesus' answer to Peter saying, how many times do I have to send somebody who keeps, uh, forgive someone who keeps sinning against me? What's What's the cap? What's the ceiling when I can finally say, that person is such a jerk, I'm writing them off. I'm not letting them, that person hurt me again. So we'll look at Matthew 18. The zinger at the end of Matthew 18 is, uh, if you aren't willing to forgive others, God's going to hand you over to the tormentors. Ooh. Um, Luke 7, one of my favorite parables. We'll probably spend time in this next week. Jesus is having supper at the home of 
Simon the Pharisee. There's a bunch of Pharisees there. In walks a woman with a bad reputation. The theory is she's a prostitute in town. And uh, she walks up and is standing uh, at Jesus' feet. Their heads are all there eating together. She's at his feet weeping. We assume over her sin, over her being shunned. Uh, Her tears are wetting his feet. Then she kneels down and takes her hair and wipes his feet. And the Pharisees, unbelievable. If he was a real rabbi, if if he knew God, he would know she's not the kind of woman he should let touch her, touch him. And Jesus tells a parable to say, you know what? The real bottom line is a person who understands how much they've been forgiven by God is most likely to love and forgive others. The person who isn't willing to forgive someone else is the person who likely has not really been forgiven by God. Ooh. Un- Forgiven people are unforgiving. Forgiven people are forgiving people. That, that's his point. The epistles talk about it a couple of times. Ephesians 4. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in God, just as in Christ, God forgave you. That as is tough. Forgive as God has forgiven you. Same thing as in Colossians 3. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's the as again. What has he offered to me? That's what I'm to offer to others. And then those last two verses we read together, verses 14 and 15 are the same zinger that is at the end of Matthew 18, later in the gospel. If you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So that makes us ask the question, why does it matter so much? Why is unforgiveness such a big deal with Jesus? Why those warnings and warning parables? Well, it's because forgiveness is the heart of the gospel. So I grew up in a tradition that said everybody's born good. And the problem is all the influences out there. If I can just keep from being tainted by everything out there, I'm naturally good. Now, I think by the time I was a toddler, I proved that wrong. Um, Shocking the 2022 survey on the state of theology in America. Um, Two reputable organizations surveyed all kinds of people, and the people who identified themselves as Bible-believing evangelicals, people like us, take the Bible seriously, and what it says about us. Uh, Guess what percent said, man is born good? How many? Close. Two out of three. 67% said man's born good. 
if man's born good, then all we do with Jesus is we just need a little Jesus slapped on, a little bit of Bible added on top because I'm naturally good and I can figure out how to make relationships work. I can figure out how to make life work. I can love God well. Then why do I have such a hard time with it? Because I know what's inside me. Since Genesis 3, the heart of the gospel, since Genesis 3, we are all born sinful. Selfish, self-centered, I want to be my own God. Small g, thank you very much. I'll call you when I need you. And that approach to life uh, isn't the good news of the gospel. The bad news is we are all a mess. We're broken in here. We can't love God and others according to God's design until something's done about our brokenness, about our sin. And that's when the good news comes in. The price has been paid for everything that's broken in here and in you. That price has been paid by one who had no sin but became sin for us and bled and died on the cross and then rose from the dead and said, You want right relationship with God? I'm the one that can give it to you. That's why I came. That's why I died. I'll offer you forgiveness. Unforgiveness is a big deal. The the two verses that have as God has forgiven you, it's a big deal because when we're living in unforgiveness, we're saying no to the gospel. Um, It's a big deal because Jesus expects forgiven people to be forgiving people. It's a family characteristic. In our family, I look just like my maternal grandfather. There are things that show up in the family. If you saw my son, you'd say, I'm just a much older, grayer version of him. Uh, He just had a baby eight days ago, he and his wife. And boy, can you tell that baby belongs to them. Family characteristics. And forgiveness is one of the ones that when people see how we deal with being sinned against, when they see how we treat others, they go, oh, that, that's different. That looks like the rest of the family. Why it's such a big deal. So let's talk about what it isn't. A lot of misconceptions. And um, then we'll get to what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not natural. It's supernatural. No, I want to hang on to the rock. I want to hold what was done to me over the other person. I'm one up. We're keeping score through life. But forgiveness, supernatural. It takes courage. It, It takes the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and that's why the Lord's Prayer includes it as a prayer request. It's not about forgetting. Um, We don't heal in order to forgive. We forgive in order to heal. We don't heal in order to forgive. We forgive in order to heal. Why? Think about... um, 
God toward us. When we ask for forgiveness and he forgives our sins, does he forget them? Can an all-knowing, all-powerful God ever forget something? No, when he forgives us, he says, I, I won't treat you as your sins deserve. But God doesn't forget anything. So in our relationships, well, as soon as I can put it behind me and turn the page and I, it, I don't keep thinking about it, then I'll be ready to forgive. No, it's not forgetting it's making that same choice. I'll I will not treat that person as their sin against me deserves. Forgiveness is not going soft on sin. Pretending. I get students saying to me, um, <clears throat> Dad uh, ran off with the girlfriend, is now living with her. I go visit every other weekend and I'm supposed to pretend everything's okay. And the question they're asking is, I want to love and honor my dad, but does forgiveness mean I pretend nothing happened? Quite the opposite. Forgiveness is, I've come to terms with what happened. I've faced it head on. I know it. I know the damage. I know the pain. I know the hurt. And I don't allow it to just fester and sit there. Uh, the idea of um, saying, oh, it didn't matter. Yes, it mattered. And it still matters. But I get to live with the consequences of it either way, either having offered forgiveness or being stuck in unforgiveness. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. The spouse who has been abused, um, my mom was abused by my dad. The idea of, oh, you need to forgive and move back home or have him move back and let's resume it. Now, forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation and restoration. Forgiveness opens the door to the work to be done to get there. But they aren't the same thing. Forgiveness is not excusing the wrong or letting the guilty get away with it. Well, if I forgive, then I'm letting them off the hook. Letting them off your hook. But um, still on God's hook, it's God's job to deal with their sin and the impact of it. Not your job, to, not my job to be the Holy Spirit, to take God's place and deal with the consequences of the sin. So uh, I move toward forgiveness because when I stay in unforgiveness, that's like having a ball and chain attached to my ankle. Can I walk? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I've got to either drag the thing or I've got to pick it up as I walk. Is that walking in freedom? No. Uh, so... It's not uh, having the idea of letting them get away with it. It's not being a doormat. It's being a person of great courage. Take the initiative to say, I'm going to imitate what God has done in my life toward you. Did I deserve what he did toward me? So 
it really doesn't matter whether the other person deserves it. Most of the time we'll feel like they don't. It's about, not about fairness. Uh, I had a spouse, uh, her husband dumped her and um, is now, long story, but um, she said, I find myself wanting him to hurt the same way I hurt. That's the natural part. The supernatural is to say, no, I know what this feels like. I'm I'm not carrying that around anymore. I'm not allowing his sin against me to to continue to multiply over time and hold me hostage. And it's not dependent on feeling like forgiving. I don't know about you, but I typically don't go, um, I don't have a lot of feelings of, uh, yep, I, I need to forgive my dad. Or, um, Forgiveness is not a feeling. I'll wait till I feel like forgiving. So what is it? Well, forgiveness is a choice, a decision of the will. It's something you can choose to do. If you don't, you're still chained to your past. You're still hauling around the ball and chain. So it's a choice. It's volition. It's I'm making the decision to forgive. It's paying what is owed. I used to think forgiveness was cancel the debt. So in the parable, we'll look at uh, another Sunday. The whole idea of uh, forgiveness is paralleled with canceling a financial debt. But that, that analogy breaks down because God didn't just cancel our debt. Um, sin had to be paid for. The sin in my life uh, against a holy God had to be paid for. Either I pay it or I let Jesus pay it. That's the good news. And, and there's no good reason to say, nope, not going to trust Jesus. I'll handle my own sin. That's a dead end. But to say, oh, he came to pay for mine? That, that's payment for my sin. I accept his forgiveness. Was that just a canceled debt? No, the debt had to be paid. Blood had to be shed. The Hebrew says, there's, without the shedding of blood, there's no canceling or covering over, taking away of sin. God didn't just go, oh, yeah, that stuff in Barlow's life, yeah, it's really ugly, but that's okay, let's just forget it. Write it off. Payment was made. That's the good news. And so we pay what was owed. The person who has sinned against us, they owe us. We've been damaged. We're living with the consequences of what was done. Forgiveness is I pay what you owe. This is a great definition. Forgiveness, this doesn't come from me. This is another pastor came up with this. Forgiveness is the decision to release the person 
from the obligation that resulted when they injured me or sinned against me. Forgiveness is I pay what you owe. You hurt me, you sinned against me, you harmed me, you damaged me, you owe me. I pay. I pay when I forgive. Forgiveness is a threefold promise. I won't bring it up again or use it against you. That's the grudge thing, grudge and bitterness. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be civil with you, but in the back of my mind, I'm going, yeah, and I remember, and I'm holding it against that person. Forgiveness is a promise. I'm not going to hold it against them anymore. I'm not going to treat them as their sin deserves. Why do I do that? Because that's exactly what God did. I'm not going to treat Barlow as his sins deserve. There's a second promise. It's a promise that, uh, and these come from Ken Sandy. It's the promise, I won't bring it up to others. Well, I forgive him, but when I'm in the prayer circle, or when I'm with my accountability partner, or when the guys get together over a cup of coffee, it's the promise, I'm not going to bring it up to other people. And third, it's the promise that I won't bring it up to myself and dwell on it. So here's how this works out. Uh, forgiveness is an event and a process. It's a point in time where I say, I, I, I know what was done. I've looked at it. I've felt the consequences of it. But I don't want to carry that around. I don't want that in my face all the time. So I make the choice. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to pay what was owed. And then it's this process of living out the promises. What do I do when I blow the process? I go back to the point, and I make the choice again. Nope, I've chosen to forgive. I'm not going to bring it up to myself and replay it. I'm not going to bring it up to others, and I'm not going to hold it against the other person. And I'm now living out the process of that day by day by day, and then I blow it again. I get ticked or I talk to somebody about it, or I replay it in my head. And what do I do now? I go back to the point, and I choose to forgive all over again. And now I live out the process a little better the next time. And a little better the next time. So a couple I was working with, um, the issue uh, blew up recently with uh, him. Pornography, phone calls. The, the phone sex thing and uh, DVDs. He'd sneak off somewhere and watch. Uh, she looked at the phone record and called this number that kept showing up. And she said, I about got sick. She, she, was, she said, I was so naive. I had no idea. This has been going on in his life since he was a junior hire. Now grown, they have a family, beautiful family. So she immediately goes into, do I make the decision to forgive or not? It's a point. Point in time. Uh, she thinks about, I know what I'll do. I'll take the kids, and I'm going home to my parents and leaving him. And then she goes, no, I'm staying in the house. I'm kicking him out. And then she goes, I think God wants me to forgive him and fight for our family. And he says, 
I'm at an age, I either get freedom from this now, I fight the fight, or I'm going to lose my family. God's not done with them yet. She calls me, says, okay, uh, I've chosen to forgive. Uh, and, and I'd talked to them several times. She goes, but then a couple days later, I replay it in my head, and I'm so angry at him. I thought I had forgiven him. She had. She loves the Lord. The point, she had forgiven, but then as she's trying to live out the promises, I won't bring it up again and replay it in my head. She did. Why did he do that? How could he do that to us? How could he be so mean? How could he be so sinful? What'd she do then? Said, okay, this is a, you blew the process, go back to the point. And the next time, you're going to go a little longer without replaying it, without bringing it up. Point and a process. I think that happens to all of us. Um, it is releasing the right to revenge. So Romans 12, uh, Paul writes to them, and he quotes a bunch of Old Testament verses uh, that are saying, vengeance belongs to God, not me. We would use the word getting even. I've been sinned against, so it's my job to get even. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. Old Testament's crystal clear, nope. That's above our pay grade. That's God's job to judge and to settle scores and to repay. Not ours. Our job, Romans 12 says, is overcome evil with good. Was there evil? Was there sin? Was there harm? Yep. Overcome it with good. That's forgiveness. So how do we get there? How do we get from unforgiveness to forgiveness? When sinned against, you and I have a choice. We let it go, throw it, or we let it go, drop it. Obviously, Jesus is saying, whatever you've been carrying around, whatever was done to you, whoever the person is, whether they feel bad about it or sorry about it or have ever apologized or not, drop it. Let it go. This is countercultural. It's swimming upstream. Our current cultural moment, if you've been harmed and victimized, what should you do? We're, in a, we're swimming in a soup right now that is all about you've been harmed or sinned against. Good. Shout about it. And that's your identity. Um, we've given, we, we've said identity and authority and power comes in being a victim. No. Spiritual prison and bondage and how much more hatred do we need to see and hear? That's the fruit that comes with unforgiveness. Instead, forgiveness leads to spiritual freedom, the ability to love and serve God and others. Well, we, we tell ourselves lies. Uh, time will heal it. Nope. Almost never. We tell ourselves the lie. I can't forgive because this is too big. The lie from the enemy is, the bigger it is, 
the more you need to wrestle with and deal with the forgiveness. We tell ourselves the lie, uh, I'll forgive when they say they're sorry. When they come and ask for forgiveness, I'm ready. Guess what? They're not going to come. Most of the time, and we'll talk about that next week. Um, or if I forgive, they'll just do it again. That's just our fear. And that's our assumption that somehow I can be in relationship with other people and, and not get hurt. Not in this world. That day is coming. New heaven and new earth, but not right now. Right now we are called as people who have tasted forgiveness and now get to dispense it and offer it in the midst of a broken world. And do you know how appealing and attractive that is? There's a way to live that's not carrying around all the bitterness and the anger and the I want to get even? There is in Jesus. So how do we drop it? How do we, instead of throwing it, let it go? Um, we're going to skip by that. Uh, how do I get there? Think now, as I asked you earlier, who and what do I need to forgive? And what helps us is to get to the point where we, number one, the way we, how do I let it go and drop it instead of throw it? Look at the cross, what was done there. Look at myself. Before I'm worried about somebody else's sin and what they owe me, uh, what's inside me? And then prayer, which is why Jesus has it right here in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. Look at the cross. Oh, yeah. Look at my own sin. Uh, and then pray. I'm dropping it. I'm letting it go. So, um, fill in the blanks. And we're going to talk more about this in the next two weeks. Look at some of the other passages. Um, who do you put in the blanks? I forgive for God, we need your help to follow what your word tells us in our flesh, ourselves, and our selfishness. We want to hang on to the hurts and the pain and the damage. But when we look at you and what you've done and the kind of forgiveness you've offered to us when we did not deserve it and still don't, it changes our hearts and our minds. Pray that you work in each of our hearts wherever there is a broken relationship, wherever there is something that needs to be forgiven. Help us imitate you. We need the power and work of the Holy Spirit to get there. And we want to be people that are set free to love and serve you and each other well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.